have to start off by giving you a little bit of shocking news. Okay, I, I want to all get prepared for it. Uh, I, I, I realize this is going to be shocking, but at some point in each of our lives, uh, we just have to come to understand that not everybody's going to like you. Now, I know, now I know that's, I know, right? Uh, you, I can see how everybody is falling back in their chairs and is gasping for air because, you know, that you had no idea, did you? But, you know, the truth is just not everybody's going to like you. And, you know, I was, you think about it. So uh, this can be a, an easy question for you. We're going to start off with one of our questions, okay? So uh, where do you think you might encounter people who don't like you? At work, that's one. At home, possibly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we hope not, but that's possible, yeah. Where else? At a neighbor, yeah. You know, you kind of think about it. Uh, it can be work at the store, shopping. Yeah, right, you know. Uh, driving. That was one I thought about, driving. I mean, when you really get to thinking about it, it's really like anywhere and everywhere is the possibility, right? You know, if you think, and, and you know, the world has changed a lot about that. I, I don't know about you, but I remember back when I was a kid, you know, if, you know, out on the playground, you know, if a couple of kids kind of, one of them didn't like the other one and they kind of got into a little bit of a, tussle, it seemed like pretty quickly some other kids would either kind of come and intervene and break it up, or if it was like at sports, you know, a coach would, you know, come kind of pull everybody apart, but kind of say, come on, guys, let's get back to the game, you know, like, like let's get back to what it is we're out here doing, and, and everybody would just kind of go on their way, and, you know, it was just, it just didn't amount to very much, uh, but today, uh, situations, man, like they heat up so fast, and they go really far without people, I think, really thinking about how it's going to end up, what's, how it's going to come out. We, I'm pretty sure we would all agree we, we live in a society today where people get offended or angry way too easily, way too easily. Even the slightest offense, you know, it really just seems like that when you, with the things we see on the news and things we've experienced in our own lives, I mean, that just, just seems like the, there's so many people who have this short fuse, and and it's like they're ready to light it, you know, at the at the at the least, at the least thing that happens. I I only saw a few elbows poking there. I I didn't. I don't know. You know, it, but you know. A lot of times that fuse is attached to words. It's attached to words, okay? And, and, and yeah, and, you know, and, and people, you know, quickly then start to verbally attack other people. It can be face-to-face. -face. These days it's pretty often online because, you know, it's, it, people are very uh, brave from a distance. And so they like to say very aggressive things when they're not in front of you. Uh, but... But the problem with a lot of that stuff is that it's very hurtful and demeaning and it's abusive and, and without thought to even why. But it, it, it's, this, it's this thing uh, that happens. It's, it's like wanting revenge. Then, then there's stuff like road rage. I mean, we hear about it on the news. At our church, we, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, but we hear about it. You know, we, we hear about instances of road rage. 
And there's all different levels, but I mean, it's kind of like one driver gets annoyed by another driver and, you know, rather than just moving on and just kind of having a little grace and patience, right? Uh, you know, somebody gets aggressive and, and then, you know, bad things happen. And, you know, it's, it's and, and here's the danger, right? It's, it's in that heat of the moment that, that people don't think and then respond. Uh, and it's, and here's the danger, it's when we give ourselves over, really we need to hear this, when we give ourselves over to that kind of anger and rage, Satan will take a hold of that and will incite you to keep going and further overreact. Overreact. And it's in a, a pursuit of revenge or you know, a lot of times we call that getting even. Okay, getting even, right? Okay, so today we're going to continue our study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it's going to be kind of, this is kind of radical in a way today, okay? But a lot of what Jesus did was, you know, different for the time, right, when he was there. And we're going to see what Jesus had to say about how we should treat our enemies, people who don't like us. So let's begin by reading the first portion of today's scripture. That's in Matthew 5, 38-42. Good Bibles there handy. If you want to use one of those, brought your own, that's great. Otherwise, it'll be up on the screen. But we're going to read Matthew 5, verses 38-42. to It starts off, it says, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Okay, I mean, can we just stop right here? Does this sound like the way the world works? No, it doesn't, does it? I mean, I mean, does this almost sound like, are you kidding me? Really, I mean, isn't that fair? Yeah. Okay, I mean, it says, so let's see what was going on here. So in the first couple of verses, Jesus said, okay, he started by saying, you've heard it said. Well, okay, that's kind of like a therefore. It means there's something before, right? You've heard it said. So what he was talking about, he was referring back to some of the laws of justice that had been laid down by Moses for dealing with various issues that would come up over time, way back in the Old Testament, okay? For example, in Exodus 21, verses 23 through 25, back in Exodus, part of the law read, if there is a serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Okay, now, all of a sudden, that just sounds like everybody's going to go out and fight, right? Okay, but, but what we need to understand is that when the law was first given, its purpose was not to, like, sanction or justify revenge or getting even. In fact, what this was was instruction for the judges of that time to make the punishment for a crime fit the crime. It was, it was about, it was, it was trying to teach the concept of proportionate justice. 
Stealing a rake does not deserve or warrant the same kind of punishment as hurting a person. But as time went on, the people of that time started twisting the meaning of, of, this, of this training, this teaching, these parameters have been laid out, and they twisted it for their own purpose to the point that they became where they felt justified for taking personal revenge on anyone who did them wrong. Jesus then goes on to say in verse 39, don't resist an evil person. Now, does he mean that we are to totally not resist all evil people? No, he doesn't, does he? No, he doesn't. Certainly he wouldn't. In it, like in Ephesians 6.13, he says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, when evil comes, you can stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. We're also told to resist the evil spiritual forces that are at work in our society and survive it by doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. Resist evil, and he will flee from you. But it's, 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 it's in these verses then that followed where Jesus actually gives the examples of the kind of evil, the kind of people he was talking about. So you have to keep reading, okay? So then what he talks about is uh, verse 39, okay? It, it spoke about getting slapped, you know, if a person slaps you on the right cheek. Okay, so, so I think this was probably written from the, from the standpoint culturally, too, of, of, you know, I think most people are right-handed. Okay? So if you want to slap someone on their right cheek, then that's like a backhanded slap, right? Because their right cheek's on, be on this side, so you'd have to be like this. Well, in the Jewish culture of that time, giving someone a backhanded slap, slapping them on the right cheek was considered an insult. It was a way of shaming the other person or exerting your dominance over them publicly. So when Jesus told his followers to, well, if they do that, just turn the other cheek. He was actually advocating for a response that was totally different from the social norms of the day. He was saying, like, don't give in. Don't give in to what's going on here. Isn't it interesting how there's so many things in here that we say, but maybe people don't know? Like, you know, turn the other cheek. Well, where did it come from? Well, it came out of the Bible. You know, people say an eye for an eye. Well, where did it come from? Well, it's out of the Bible, okay? Uh, so Jesus is just saying, instead of striking them back, respond with some grace and forgiveness, some compassion. So he's just saying, just turn the other cheek. Offer it to him. Jesus was trying to lay out a way to break the vicious cycle of retaliation. Like I said, what we call getting even. Right? Another example is in verse 40. He said that if you were sued and they were wanting to take your shirt, give him your coat as well. Okay, that actually had a very specific meaning because under Jewish law, a person's coat was the one thing that could not be taken from them by the courts if they were in debt to someone 
and required to give them like personal possessions in order to try and repay uh, the debt. It was the only thing that couldn't legally be seized by a creditor. So what, what he's actually saying is, is if they take, if they sue you for your shirt, give them the one thing they can't take. Go that, go that, go that distance, okay? And it was explained further back in the earlier law in Exodus 22, verses 26 and 27. He explains, it says, if you take your neighbor's cloak in pledge, return it by sunset. Because the cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, or I am compassionate. So, so God was laying out the law of compassion and, and not just taking advantage of people because you could. But the idea was also one of being willing to give even what can't be legally taken. I think, if you think about our culture, what that would kind of tend to do would be to maybe embarrass the other person into realizing they were being unreasonable and to, you know, to become more lenient, okay? But then he goes further, and in verse 41, because this concept of giving more than is demanded kind of went, he was further describing it in verse 41, because when he was talking about if someone, if you're required to go one mile, go two. Okay, so you remember that, again, during Jesus' time, Jerusalem was an occupied city. The Romans were there. And a Roman soldier, you know, they had these, if you've ever seen them, you know, they got their load, right? They got their, you know, their, their, their armor and stuff. They got their sword. But they also had their, their like, their backpacks, you know, with, with their supplies and stuff. Well, okay. During that time, a Roman soldier might decide they wanted a break. They wanted to lighten their load for a little bit. And so a Roman soldier could require any citizen they chose and demand of them that they carry their load for one mile. For one mile. They couldn't require more than a mile, but they could require, and they were, and that was by law, you had to honor that demand and you had to carry their load by one mile. Well, the Jews hated the Romans and wanted them gone, okay? But, but they had to do that. So imagine when Jesus says that, that if, if you're required to, to do that, then just keep going. Say, well, I'll go another, I'll go another mile. I'll go further. He was, he, was, he was saying, look, as my servants, as my kingdom servants, you ought to be willing to go beyond what is required of you. And that's where we get the phrase, go the extra mile. Going the extra mile. Okay, so let's take that one example. And let me ask you this. What would be some real life examples today where you and I could choose to go the extra mile? in our relationships, in our lives, in our work. Could be giving to church. It could be. What else could it be? Could be volunteering. It, it could be helping a neighbor. You know, a neighbor maybe is ill. 
and they ask you this time of year, would you be willing to cut my yard, cut my grass? And you could say yes, but going the extra mile means you might also rake the leaves. You know, doing more than you were asked. It could be a, a neighbor was sick, and they said, is there any way you could bring over a meal for me and my kids tonight? And you say, sure, but then you bring two meals, or you bring three meals. Sometimes it's just it's this idea in, in life of, of being generous and being willing to even help beyond what, not only what could be demanded, but at least today there's not that many people that demand, you know, boy, if that worked, you know, come cut my grass, please. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, we get a lot of those. But it, it's, it's this idea of, of, of doing more than people would even ask you to do, even when it's just a friendly request. You know, what all of these things are, are about, what they're really leading us to, is he's really telling us that followers of Jesus, we ought to be working for justice, toward justice. We should desire justice. We know that breaking the law has consequences, and, and offenders, you know, are required to pay the legal penalty. Should be. But even so, we've got to remember that there's no place for personal revenge in God's plan. Some of, would we all agree some of Jesus' examples sound kind of shocking to us today? Is that fair? They, they sound kind of shocking to us, okay? And, 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 and doing them, if we really take it literally for what he said, some of them maybe even sound, on the surface, undesirable. Like, I'm not sure I even want to do that. But, but here's the thing we've we got to remember. Uh, Jesus said something really important in John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, the thief comes to still, steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, that's evil. Right? He says, but I have come. Jesus said, but I have come that you can have life and have it to the full. That means you can come and have, have the best life possible, right? You can have a great, okay, but remember, that best life possible, having it to the full, is when we are a follower of Jesus, which means we are doing the things he said to do. And Jesus said to, to do these things, to go the extra mile, to not take revenge. Do, do you see what I'm saying? And so even these things that on the surface may sound undesirable superficially, is somewhere we have to decide, do we want the best life that we can have as followers of Jesus? And that means we follow his word. So, let's move on and read the second portion of today's scripture. There's some more interesting things here. This is Matthew 5, verses 43 to 48. He says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy." But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, 
So these, these verses present some examples of the same concept, okay? But let's go back to Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19.18 said, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? And then in Psalm 31.6, David said, I hate those who cling to worthless idols, but because I trust in the Lord. And then in Psalm 119.113, he said, I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. Well, if you start to put all these things together, what happened is the Pharisees took these concepts, but they narrowed it down to mean love only those who are like you and, and people who love you in return. Jesus turned the thinking upside down with the command to show love to your enemies. By praying and loving, praying for our enemies and loving them, showing them love, we overcome evil with good. We can also demonstrate that Jesus is Lord of our life. But to do that, we're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because there is nothing natural about, about acting that way, is there? No, I mean, that's not, let's be honest. That's, you know, sitting here in church, we all know the right answer, right? But we also know out in life that that, that is easy to say and hard to do. And so we're going to need God's power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives if we hope to live that way or to live Closer to that, to move in that direction even. To show care, concern, and love to people who, you know, we just may not feel that way. And we know they don't feel that way about us. So, like we said, what the point that Jesus was really making in all of these examples, he said it, right? It, he basically said, if you aren't acting any different than the tax collectors... And you're only going to be nice to people who are, you know, already nice to you. Then how is your life, how is my life, how is our life really any different than the pagans? Than the people who don't even know God, who don't even care. Because even pagans like people who like them. Even, even pagans will cook a meal and take it to somebody, you know, who's like them. Okay, how, how, will, how will we be different? Well, in John 13, 35, Jesus gave us that answer. He said, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. We, you know, it was a really good song years ago. Well, they'll know we are Christians by our love. So that's how we're different. That's how we're to respond to other people because it shows that we are different. It shows that we're just not like the world. It shows we're not just ready to get even, you know, Pound for pound, you know, got to get even. It, it's, it's responding radically different than, than what the natural world would, way it would respond, or even ways maybe we responded before we were followers of Jesus. Okay, so let me ask you a question now that we've talked about this. In practical terms, like real-life practical terms, how can you and I show God's love to people who don't like us, who aren't kind to us? What are some things we can do? How can we show his love practically? 
We can be kind. What else can we do? We can greet them. Yeah, we can greet them. We can pray for them. Of course, we can pray for them. Look for ways to help them. We can be respectful of them, even though we don't agree. There's a difference, right? There's a difference. I can, you and I can disagree on a lot of things, right? You know, some people like a whole lot hotter, spicier food than other people. So we might disagree on how we want to, you know, sauce up our food. But we can like one another. We can be respectful of one another, even dif in differences, right? Okay. But we can be respectful. We can show them kindness. We can, here's one that really knocks people off their socks a lot. We can listen to them. We live in a world where people don't listen. They're just not talking right now, but that doesn't mean they're listening. An awful lot of people, when they're not talking, they're just getting ready for what they're going to say next. The world could be a whole lot kinder and gentler because a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I found when I actually listened to somebody that I was kind of having a disagreement with, I actually found out we weren't that far apart when I actually listened to what they were actually saying, not what I thought they would be saying. So we can do that, and it was mentioned, and we, can, and we can respond with politeness even when they don't. You know, we, you and I have so many type moments in life that we have an opportunity, whether it's with adult and coworkers or out on the street or even, even with, you know, younger people, but it's, there are moments when there's like a little flame, you know, something's about to flare up, and, and the words you say next can either put water on it and cool it down, or it can add gas to it and flame it up, right? We have choices, and we all know that we do. And there have been times in your life, and, and I'll be honest, in mine, I knew I was throwing gas on the fire, and I did it. And it was foolish. And I regret doing it. I usually have to go back and apologize. Hopefully I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I don't want to. But, but, we, but when we get into these situations, we have opportunities to make better choices and to act more like Jesus. Because he's told us when we live like him, then we're, we're going to live the best way. Because we're going to live the ways that he will honor and bless Okay, then we get down to the end of this in verse 48. And then, I mean, he said he really put the bar up pretty high. Okay, because he said, be perfect as God is perfect. I don't know about you guys, Ooh, how about you guys? but I mean, that was like, <laughs> well, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> yeah, if you feel that way when you hear that, like, I mean, come on, let's get real. Right? Okay. Look, let's all acknowledge that no one, can be totally perfect like God, right? Today, here on earth, we're, we're, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to still fall short. We, we cannot. But, but then here's the problem within that statement, right, is if you take it literally, is because Jesus would never give you and me an assignment that was impossible. So then what does he mean there? Well, okay, uh, in the context of that time and that day and the meaning of the word that he uses for perfect, perfection 
Perfect actually really implied completion, the idea of completion and maturity. Okay? So, look, you and I would expect different behavior from a baby versus a child versus a teenager versus a young adult versus a fully grown adult. Right? We, and, and God expects different behavior from you and I depending upon our spiritual maturity. That should be our goal, is we want to continually be growing spiritually, becoming more like Jesus. Hopefully, I'm more like Jesus today than I was 10 years ago, than I was 30 years ago. Can't go back further because I'm only 35. Um, no. no, but do you see what I mean? Is 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 as we read God's word, as we pray, as we try to walk out our lives to to apply what we learn. Isn't it reasonable to think then, with each day going forward, we ought to be a little more like Jesus? One step. I'm one step further than I was last, you know, yesterday. Okay? And that's what he's calling us to do. So living in a perfect way means that our actions reflect a, a growing maturity in our faith. A growing maturity in our faith that goes beyond the basics. And that God's love flows through our lives to others. And especially those that don't like us. So... I think we'd all agree that um, in today's scripture, Jesus set the bar up pretty high for us. There's some challenges here for us, some things that we would probably all agree are good, but doesn't make them easy to do. Okay, so I think the question we want to we come to an answer to today then is, so what are some practical things we can do relative to how we treat people that don't like us or don't, are hard to get along with for us? And, First thing I'd recommend, I think, for Scripture would teach us here is we need to be calm. We need to remain calm. That's, again, easy to say. That can be really hard to do. Remaining calm in trying situations to avoid overreacting, whether it's with words or actions. Remembering that revenge, getting even, is always wrong. That you know, Because here's the thing. You and I never know the whole story. We know what we experience, right? But the guy that cut you off the other day on the freeway and, you know, was not, you know, was like you would think was being awful, maybe he didn't get any sleep last night because he had a sick kid he was up with all night. Maybe right then he's got a two-year-old in the back seat that's screaming and crying, and he's distracted. Or the person that didn't talk to you at church a few weeks ago probably didn't mean any harm. They just had a lot on their mind that day and needed to get home to some some urgent need. I mean, you know, the, 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 the thing I think that this is challenging us to do is if we really want to be followers of Jesus and we really want to deal with people that it was hard to get along with, I think part of what we need to understand is that we ought to make a commitment that we need to think the best of other people, not the worst. We should. It is so easy. The minute somebody starts to offend us or starts to rub us the wrong way, we start to come up with all kind of things about them that are wrong. We start, we start wanting, you know, we may not say them, but we're thinking them, okay? And we never know 
what's going on in their life. Okay, but I think we could get a lot further in this process. And again, hard, easy to say, hard to do, but it's, it's a good thing, place to start. It's start to saying, I want to think the best of other people and not the worst. And because of that, when things get a little out of whack, I'm going to try to show grace and patience rather than push back, immediately push back. But you know what? Even if those people meant it and they do something really harmful, Romans 12, 19 through 22, makes a pretty clear direction for you and me. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends. And again, remember, revenge doesn't mean that you're starting a fight. It just means I'm going to get even with you verbally. You know? Okay? Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Remain calm. Second, live supernaturally. Live supernaturally. Instead of planning how to get even with those who do you wrong, pray for them. That was a suggestion. Praying for difficult people in your life is not natural. Is it? That is not how you would naturally think to respond. But it is supernatural, and that is possible by the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life to help you do that. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to live not demanding our rights. But giving them up freely, it's not natural. But the Holy Spirit can help us to do that. Going the extra mile. Only God's power can change the heart of another person. No one ever got their heart changed by you getting even with them. Or me. Does that make sense? That never changed. All I did was probably harden their hearts and more confirm their opinion about us than anything. Praying for other people. God can is the only source of changing hearts. All you and I do is try to press them into some package, right? But God can change their hearts. And so that's and and, and when we pray for those people that may not, we may not see that change like right, you know, like right then. But you know what? We can be the start of that. We can plant seeds of change by, in our prayers for them. Finally, we need to act differently. Act differently. We need to show God's love to everybody, not just the people it's easy to do, right? God's power in you can help you to do that, to be open to people that are not like you. You know, there's just there are people in our lives that don't have the same political views that you have. Okay? They don't have a lifestyle you agree with. They follow some different religion that you don't believe is right. But you know what they all have in common? You know what they all have in common? What they have in common is that their greatest need is to know Jesus. That's their greatest need. 
Their greatest need is not to change one of those things that you don't think is right. That's, that might be good, but their greatest need is to know Jesus. And if you and I won't act the way that Jesus said we should act to the people that don't like us, then who's going to help them ever know about Jesus? Who's going to ever start to show them love? Who's going to ever start to break the cycle of something said and something said back to get even? I mean, if, if we won't do it, who will? That's really what we've been challenged to do, is to do this hard thing, is to find, build bridges with people that are hard to get along with, that don't like us, and that have made that clear. But the very least we can do is pray for them. We need to remember that Jesus did not isolate himself to just hanging out with the priests and the Pharisees. Well, you know what? His life would have been a lot easier if he had, wouldn't it? He could have probably been way popular with the, with the management, you know, of that time. But then he wouldn't have spent any time with the sick people, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the people who needed him, who were sinners. He wouldn't have been hanging out with you and me either. I'm really glad that Jesus was willing to deal with difficult people. Not all of them loved him. But he loved them and he cared about them. Matthew 14, 14 talks about the crowds that he did hang out with. And it said when Jesus landed and he saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. That's, aren't you glad that Jesus had time for you and me, had compassion on us? Not only saved us, but he's healed us. Look, we never need to forget that there was a time when you and I were no better off than the folks who don't like you today. We were no better off. Okay. Romans 5, 8, though, was mentioned earlier today. It said, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, God, Christ died for us before we cared, before we knew him, when we were still being the one who was being the, you know, the hard one to get along with. Look, in difficult times, and we're all going to have difficult times. You may be in difficult times right now. And if you're not, you will be some point in the future. We all have difficult times. The choice that we have, though, is to, to choose differently, to choose to live differently, and to be willing to show the love of God to everyone. You guys stand with me. Let's, let's close. You bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Just, just some private moment for you to have with God. Look, if, if you need God's help, because this is really practical stuff. If you need God's help to not overreact in difficult situations and to, and to more often to trust the power of the Holy Spirit to help you resist and to handle it right. If you, if you would like that, you don't want to overreact and you want to trust the Holy Spirit to help you through, just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, okay, hands down. And now, if you want to ask God to help you to respond to those who don't like you with prayer and showing them love, you would commit to that. Raise your hand. Amen. Lord, today... You have seen our hands. God, I think 
Lord, I think all of us raised our hands because, Father, we all know that no matter how long we've walked with you, we still, we still fall short some days, God. We need your help. The power of your Holy Spirit is the only way, Lord, we're going to be able to live in the way you've called us, Lord, to, to be perfect as you've called us to be perfect, Lord, because that means we'll be growing each day, becoming more like you. And I pray that for us, Lord, even today, we would take one step closer to what you've called us to be and how we respond to people that don't like us, people that are hard for us to get along with, Lord, people that have even hurt us, God. We, uh, Lord, we just want to break that cycle, Lord, of revenge, of getting even, Lord, in the way that you did by showing love to all people. Lord, help us to be willing to go the extra mile even this week for someone. In Jesus' name. Now may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.